Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Podcast Manager Show. In this episode, I am talking with Pinterest marketing and ads strategist Emily Vales on how to use your podcast to create engaging idea pins for Pinterest. So we're going to be talking about Pinterest and idea pins specifically, which is a new Pinterest feature, and how you can use these to help your client grow their show and their business. Emily is a former teacher turned Pinterest marketing and ad strategist who loves Pinterest and loves diving into her clients' data and analytics to create personalized strategies that will ultimately turn their traffic into profit. All right, without further ado, let's go talk to Emily about Pinterest. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Emily, it's so great to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Lauren. I'm so excited to be here and to chat with you. Yes, we are going to be talking about how to use your podcast to create engaging idea pins for Pinterest. And you are the perfect person to talk to because you are a Pinterest strategist and you know a ton about these idea pins, which I have no idea about. You aren't alone. I will say that. I think it's, it is still a newer feature and people are figuring it out. But What I'm seeing is that they are no longer optional for sure on Pinterest. So I think it's one of those things. I kind of compare it sometimes to Instagram reels that, you know, if you want to continue to grow, then like I said, really not optional. So I'm excited to talk about them though. Yes. And we're going to dive into, you know, why you would consider using Pinterest in general with a podcast. But first, before we get into all of that, I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got started on working online. Yeah. So I am a former teacher. I taught for three and a half years. I taught primary, I taught kindergarten, and then also second grade. And when I had my first daughter through having her and deciding, making a really hard choice, deciding not to return to the classroom. I had actually worked out a really great plan with the school. They were going to allow me to return, but part-time, which is kind of unheard of, but I had a, basically a co-teacher. And so there was two licensed teachers in the room. So they were going to allow me to work part-time. But once I had her, I just knew that I did not want to returned to the classroom and it was a hard choice, but there's also other pieces that played into that. And part of that honestly was the financial piece. And through different research that I had done, there's a lot of childcare, whether, you know, if you're doing a daycare where once you are taking that seat, they want you to commit to five days. And so it just started to feel complicated and expensive. And honestly, financially, just, it really didn't even make sense for me to return to the classroom. Not to mention, I wanted to be at home with my daughter. To be honest, I went through a lot of guilt. I felt really bad about leaving the classroom, especially partway through the year. And a lot of those students, because I was teaching second grade and I had previously taught kindergarten, they had been past students too. And so I felt like I had an extra close bond with them. And it was really hard on me. I just felt really guilty. And there's 
the guilt of thinking about leaving my daughter, which that was on me. I don't think there's anything wrong with working. That was just self-imposed. And then I felt guilt for leaving my students. And I would say that it was unique circumstances too. And not that all student teacher relationships are important, but I taught in a really rough area. And a lot of them came to school and it was their safe place where they got food and had somebody who cared about them. And so I think that piece played into it too, where I felt like they needed me. And like I said, Mm -hmm. not that all kids don't need their teachers. I think that's such a special relationship, but it just felt different. So I did go back throughout the year and visit them periodically. And that's really great, but I still miss them. And I still think about them at different points. So anyways, fast forward to that summer. And my husband and I had been used to a certain lifestyle, taking vacations and eating out. And, you know, those were things that sometimes you give up when you give up a salary. So, and I also knew I had a lot of creativity and different things that I wanted to do. And I just wanted to be using my brain in a different way. And so I actually reached out to you because I knew that you had taken a freelancing course. And this is so funny for people I'm sure that are listening that don't know. Lauren and I went to college together and we were in the same sorority. So I had this different level of comfort knowing that you had taken the course that I was thinking about taking. And so anyways, we had, I feel like this connection. And so you encouraged me. And I know I've mentioned to you before, I feel like I need to (laughs) thank you for being able to be where I am now. So basically, once I took that course, that taught me everything I needed to know to start a profitable freelance business, and all the skills I had and how to use those. I started in social media strategy got super burnt out. (laughs) And I never wanted to write another caption, like another picture for anybody's (laughs) account. (laughs) I joke and I say that's why I waited so long to start my own Instagram account was because I was I seriously was done with social media, which I don't know to some people that might sound ridiculous, but it just was not my thing. But through that, I knew I had already loved Pinterest from the user perspective. And I just so happened to have a client who wanted somebody to basically learn, but they didn't want to, they didn't have a big budget for that piece of their business. And so it was kind of the perfect match. And once I started seeing results, it was kind of all history from there. So I really honed in and just focused on Pinterest and took other courses that really built my skills and expertise in that area, then offered additional services that were more premium, like Pinterest ads. And so that's where I am now. And I've continued to add on different parts and aspects to my business. So it's been really fun to grow that and have, you know, I love my mom life, but then have, you know, the business side as well. So. Yes. And I just think Pinterest and podcasting are related in the sense that like they're their own specific niches and they fit into the, you know, obviously the bigger business picture, but you have been able to really get so good at Pinterest because you're only doing Pinterest. (laughs) And then once you're in the world, same with podcasting, it's like people are like, oh, you like only like you just do podcasting. And it's like, it's actually an enormous world. (laughs) There's so much to know. And I'm assuming that's probably the case with Pinterest too. Yeah, it really is. And at one point, because I love data and numbers and I really love Pinterest ads, I took two different 
courses that um, basically taught me how to set up and run profitable Facebook ads. And I really enjoyed it. And it was so different doing the paid advertising in comparison to doing the regular content creation and all of that. It's mm-hmm, totally mm-hmm. And so I liked the paid advertising piece. But what I was finding was that Facebook, like you're saying, podcast is podcasting is its own thing. And it takes it's its own world and so much time and energy and focus. And you're, I'm sure, always learning Pinterest mm-hmm. that way. I found that with Facebook ads. And I honestly, in order to really call myself an expert, I feel like I need to put all of my focus and energy on Pinterest. And so I actually removed as much as I enjoyed it. And you know, I had I had clients see great results and stuff, but I felt like it was I couldn't give my all to either one. And so I went back to Pinterest and just even in the past year, they've made so many changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that I really helped my clients solve that pain point of feeling frustrated and trying to keep up with it because that's what I'm doing for them. Mm-hmm. And it really is its its own world. And so it does. It takes all of my time and energy to keep up with it. So when I see people, I think it's a common thing to do to offer social media management in conjunction with Pinterest. But to me, I'm like, Ooh, that would blow my mind. <laughs> I, I like being able to put all of my energy into this one platform. So yeah, it definitely allows you, like you said, to just like immerse yourself. You can really feel like an expert because you're like, I'm not learning anything else besides Pinterest. And so you're giving yourself the necessary space to learn everything that you you need or, or want to learn versus like feeling like you kind of have to act like an expert in in multiple areas. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about why you, as a podcast manager and a podcaster, you would consider, you know, using Pinterest in general in conjunction with your podcast. Yeah. So obviously when I'm working with businesses and I've had to figure this out, honestly, through trial and error, and I will not say that I have not made my own errors. Obviously everybody does. And that's such a great way for us to learn. And one piece that I would find that was missing from a lot of people's Pinterest strategies was they were missing that continual long form content creation. And a really big algorithm change that Pinterest made was a push for fresh content. And the content that does the best on Pinterest is that long form content where you can really nurture your person. And Pinterest, it's a really great platform to inform people and Although people come there looking for ideas and inspiration, it ultimately informs a lot of their buying decisions. Now, the thing that's challenging about Pinterest is it takes time and really that decision can process can be as long as three months. But if you have a podcast where you're trying to get people into your funnel and let's say you have a high ticket course, it's a really great way to get people into your world. And it might take somebody a little bit longer to think about that you know, higher ticket course. And so I think that when you are podcasting and you are creating that regular content where you could be nurturing and sharing amazing content from anywhere from, you know, there's some that are depending on your style and what you are doing, you know, 15 minutes up to an hour. I was just talking to my husband, Matt, and he was talking about somebody's podcast who will like have like three or four hour episodes. I was like, wow. I know. I was like, that's not my thing probably. But yeah. anyways, it's such a great opportunity though to nurture people. And so 
I think that you are missing out if you don't repurpose that content and share that knowledge on Pinterest. And so it's just such a great way to get people basically into your world, I guess. Yeah. So I love that because, you know, you're, it's like, you're already doing the work of creating the content through the podcast. So why not use the same content to have this marketing strategy that is Pinterest? Yeah, exactly. And I've seen lots of different styles and strategies. I've seen some people where they'll be sharing, you know, basically their podcast notes, or they'll do kind of a combination where they'll have just their blog posts and they're not sharing any podcasts, but then they'll also have posts where they're, you know, giving, it's almost kind of like they're repurposing the podcast into a shorter blog post, also sharing the podcast, but it feels different than show notes, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I'm explaining that well. I'm like, I probably shouldn't try to talk about show notes and stuff. Like I know a whole lot about what (laughs) I'm doing, but And so, you know, I've seen different ways of going about that. So, you know, you don't always have to just be driving it to Apple or, you know, Mm -hmm. wherever your podcast is, but there's different ways to share that content. But yeah, I think that it's honestly kind of a misstep to not take advantage of Pinterest where you can share that content that you're creating. And that's so amazing and such a great way for um, people to learn more about you and what you do. And so, yeah. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to ask you before um, we move forward is, you know, I know Pinterest is changing like every single day, like you said. And I know that there's a lot of people on Pinterest, but when, you know, if I, when I think of Pinterest, I think of like DIY projects and, and maybe beauty and things for my kids and um, home stuff. And is it attracting a bigger audience or what type of podcasters would most benefit from using Pinterest when it comes to like the who their audience is? Yeah, that's a really great question. So, and that's something that I talk to people about when we get on a discovery call. And there's a lot of different types of businesses that I've worked with that have a podcast. There's a lot that don't have podcasts. And I think the first thing to ask yourself is, is your person on Pinterest. And it's actually crazy to think about, but basically for almost every online business, your person is on Pinterest. However, a couple of different, I guess, examples I could share of somebody that might not benefit the most from putting their time and energy into a Pinterest marketing strategy is maybe a brick and mortar. So a dentist office or a law firm, something that's going to benefit more from that local audience. When you were going to Pinterest, you were trying to reach that broader audience because there are so many users and you it's a great way to reach people all over the world because obviously people literally all over the world use Pinterest. And they hit a high in 2020. And I think it was because People were at home. They were they had time to do these DIYs to find recipes. But also, if they were trying to pivot because maybe their brick and mortar or whatever they were doing took a really big hit, there's people that literally started a business during the pandemic because they're like, "Look, I got to make money some way." Yeah. And so Pinterest hit a high. I believe it was 450 million users. And so I will say it's been a little bit, it's really ebbed and flowed. The pandemic has 
just change things a lot. And I would say this year, as the world has opened up, I've heard a lot of, to be honest, negativity around Pinterest because it's had some speed bumps this year. And I just think that there's maybe not quite as many, there's still millions and millions and millions of people on the platform, but maybe not quite as many because of people just being able to do more and maybe not being on their devices, their computers, they're finally able to travel and do some of those things more. But yeah, I would say thinking about is your person on Pinterest? And if you can say yes, then for sure you should be using that to share that podcast content. And like I said, it's crazy, but there's very few examples of people that I can think of that can't really benefit from Pinterest, I guess. Now, one really interesting one, and I am a, you know, I, love supporting other people's businesses and love listening to other people's podcasts. I listened to a really great podcast from Simple Pin and they were actually interviewing somebody who was in real estate that was like killing it on Pinterest. And that would be one. Interesting. Yeah. Does that, I guess, answer that question? Like, Yeah, definitely. Now, whenever we're going to talk about ID pins, whenever I think of Pinterest, I think of like, I don't know, your basic post. Is that the right term? Where So you're going to be sharing a graphic and you're going to link it to, you know, like you said, maybe directly to Apple, but also maybe to show notes. Um, That's what I think of. So maybe walk us through the different, like what an idea pin is compared to that, or like what are the different features of Pinterest? Yeah. So typically when you go to Pinterest, you will see probably four different types of pins. You're going to see your static pins, which I think is what you're referring to, the more traditional, almost how Pinterest, it was originally built on. So that static image pin design, and it just links directly to where you want it to link to. And then the other type is video pins. And these kind of threw people for a loop. They are the same dimensions. I've seen some people do square. I really still stick to the typical two to three ratio for the uh, video pins as well. But there's a lot of similarities between static and video, except for the fact that it has video content. But you still have text overlay and there's a lot of there's things that cross over and you can still link them. But those kind of threw people for a loop because when you click on one, it actually pauses the video. And when you click to enlarge the pin, it's a little bit harder to figure out how to actually go to that person's website Mm. than more traditional static pins. And then we have basically Pinterest ads, which are sponsored. And when you click on those, you're going to go directly to their site. And then there are the idea pins. And idea pins are multi-page. You can do one page, but I recommend using multiple pages. Pinterest also recommends that because with idea pens, what's so different and unique about them is with a static pen or a video pen, you're kind of almost teasing somebody and you want to stop their scroll, catch their attention and want to leave the platform to learn more about what you're offering. With an idea pen, you are sharing a completely conceptualized idea. You're not trying to tease somebody. You're trying to actually teach them something that they could then take action on or Mm -hmm. give them like three really great tips that just help them learn more about something. There's lots of different things. I've seen some really cool travel niches or businesses who will share like their top travel guide and they'll share these different locations and beautiful pictures and stuff. So, you know, the options as what you, as far as what you can do with them are kind of endless. But the whole point being though, you're not teasing somebody and you're not trying to hide those links because that 
kind of defeats the purpose of what Pinterest created them for. So that is a huge difference is not only how you click through multiple pages, Mm -hmm. but also that they aren't linkable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So it kind of seems like, you know, Pinterest created these like it's normal static posts. So it's like, hey, you can use this to drive people back to your your website. Like this is so useful for you. But now that Pinterest has grown, it's like they want to have people stay on Pinterest and be able to learn and not be like having to go hunt down. Because I've had that problem with Pinterest where it's like you see this one cute craft idea and you click on it and you have to like go hunt for it. It's like never or not. It's not never, but it's sometimes it's hard to find like the specific idea that it's advertising. That was, I think, a really huge pain point for people for a long time. I do think that that user experience with actually clicking and receiving what they want and need has improved. But gosh, I remember when I first got on Pinterest, I don't even know why I did this, but I would repin stuff and look at stuff. And I kind of assumed that I wasn't going to be able to get the idea, the product. I'm just like, it just literally gave me ideas. Do you remember that where it seems like more content was not easy to find than it was? And so I do think there has been an improvement. But yeah, I think you just hit on exactly what a lot of business owners feel so frustrated with Pinterest about is the fact that it's not leading people directly to their content. And they're like, well, this is the whole point of Pinterest. And I think that Pinterest has added this feature because they really have to continue to evolve and keep up with other platforms in order to keep people coming back. And right now, people are just devouring short form video content. And so with idea pins, what I find is that people who are using that short form video and their idea pins, those idea pins are doing so well. It's a really great way to hook people in. So I recommend using those on like the first page because that's what people are going to see first on your idea pin is just that first page. And so I think that Pinterest is really just trying to keep up with the other platforms. And it's nice that obviously you do still have that content that's linkable. But yeah, I think that's been hard for business owners. Hard pill to swallow. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass, and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. 
So then what would be the customer journey of using idea pins? So let's say that they you're, you know, you're a customer on Pinterest and you see this great idea pin of maybe let's let's say a recipe of like here the these are like four like general steps on how to create a to make this recipe. What would you hope that the the viewer or whatever the customer would do? Are they like going to go to your boards or what what's going to happen since they're not going to click a link? Yeah, that's such a great question. It's like what's the point of them? So with the idea pins the main call to actions is to follow you. I recommend that. So whether you have three pages or five pages, that last page, you actually, a lot of times, like I'll show a picture of myself and I'll say for more Pinterest marketing tips, follow me. Pinterest quite literally after that last slide, it kind of, the screen kind of darkens and there's a button that actually says follow. And so it's directly prompting people to follow you. And you might think, well, who cares about followers on Pinterest? I will say with a lot of the changes that have been made in the past two years, I've seen this correlation between more followers, higher engagement, more outbound clicks, which is what we want, sending people to where we want them to go. And so I think all of these things play into the Pinterest algorithm and the idea pins are getting much higher engagement. So the types of engagement, you have pin clicks, you can react to the pin. So you can like love it or give like a light bulb. If it's a great idea, you can comment on them. So somebody, if somebody wants to ask a question or a follow-up or anything, they can actually engage there, which Mm. I think that's sometimes little pieces of Pinterest like that make it feel like social media. When in reality, obviously the larger picture is it's a search engine, but all of that engagement then is telling Pinterest when you're receiving a lot of engagement on your account that hey, this content creator has really great content and people are engaging with it. We should show more of their content. So when somebody follows you, a lot of times they will then, what we're seeing is more traffic basically. And you mentioned this, you're exactly right. More traffic to their profile. And when somebody follows you then, your other content, the linkable content is going to naturally show up curated in their for you page also seeing an increase because people are going to your profile, I highly recommend confirming, this is just a requirement. It's really, it's just something you need to do. Confirming your domain because that link will show up in your Pinterest bio. And so when people go to your profile, they're not just seeing your boards, but then they're more likely to actually go and visit your website to learn more about you. Obviously, they're going to go to your homepage, which is why everybody needs to have a website strategy and plan for getting people to take that next step. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that kind of like explains what that looks like. It's a little bit of a longer funnel than it would be to just get people to click, go to your website. But you can see that bigger picture, it still can lead into that direct traffic from Pinterest. And at the same at the same time that you're creating idea pins, you're also creating this other content. So basically, one of the things I think that is we we should drive home is that if you are considering doing idea pins, you want to be all in on Pinterest in general. Like this is part of the bigger strategy of using Pinterest. Yes, one thing I really preach to my clients, and it's been it's been hard for me to navigate honestly too, because idea pins they do take a chunk of time and. When I was making that transition from, okay, these are not optional, like this has to be added to the package, naturally that increased my prices because it's time consuming. It's mm-hmm. adding 
big additional piece into what I call my comprehensive like maintenance package. But I have changed and reworked it a little bit where now I do have a version that does not include idea pens and a version of my package that does. And what I tell people is that this is not me saying they're optional. Some people are totally okay with making them themselves. But I say that in order to really have a balanced Pinterest strategy, you need to be creating idea pins, static pins, and video pins. And so, yeah, I think it's, if you're going to be all in on Pinterest, you just absolutely have to make them. And I do have some people who are fantastic. They decided, okay, Emily, I don't want to pay you more for that. I don't take that personal. I understand everybody has their budgets and they do not pay me to create their idea pins. And they're fantastic about creating those one to two idea pins a week. And that's it too, is you don't have to be creating one every day. Uh, I've heard people like on Instagram, it kind of blows their mind, like doing a reel every day. And there's been different challenges. And I've not done, I have to be honest, I've not done a test myself to see what would happen if I did an idea pin every day. But I've seen great results from going, seeing accounts that went from not creating them to creating one a week to creating two a week. Mm -hmm. So I would say, even if you did bi-weekly, just make them and commit to them. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I'm also like seeing a comparison of the idea pins and like carousels on Instagram. Are they similar in the format, I guess? Yeah, that's a really, I've actually, that's so interesting. I've not heard people compare that, but that's a really great comparison because I've seen, and I am not an Instagram guru at all, but I've seen Instagram gurus that I follow say like move away from the long caption. It's not a easy way to consume content. Go to carousels where you can share that same content uh, in a more, yet like I said, easier to consume way. And so, yeah, I would say that there's could be some that could be a good comparison because a lot of times I let's say I had a blog post that was four tips for doing your keyword research on Pinterest. I might have that on that first page and maybe I use a repurposed reel or something to catch people's attention with that first page. And then yes, you click through and uh, kind of like a carousel and you click through and each of those slides has that content and information. And at the end, you feel like you learned something but you didn't need to leave the platform, which like you said, is kind of similar to an Instagram carousel. You're not necessarily intending people to leave Instagram. A lot of times people will be like, hey, save this for later, mm-hmm. comment like, or you know, even follow me, which is kind of like an idea pin. So I think that is a pretty interesting comparison. And also mm-hmm. I think a pretty good one too. So one of the things that I thought you just said was, are you adding videos into idea pins or are these all static images? Yeah. So you can do both. So I have some clients who just don't have any video content that they're creating. I've tested stock videos. Um, It's very inexpensive, but I have the paid version of Canva and I know that you have a little bit, I think more options as far as stock and Mm -hmm. as far as like static images and videos. And I've tested stock videos and obviously I make sure that they're relevant. If I'm sharing something about online teaching strategies, I'll choose a video of like a woman typing on a computer or man, whatever. But I feel like there's, you don't have that same connection as when you see somebody's face or you can tell that it's content that's been branded and created 
in a unique way. It just Mm -hmm. feels different. And so I don't see those performing as well. And when somebody doesn't have that content, it's not that I won't test other video just to see how it does. But yeah, in that case, you could just do static. But that is what's kind of nice about idea pins. You can do whatever mixture you want. Like if you wanted to do a video on every page or a video on every other, but yeah, you can combine static images and also video content on those idea pins. That's cool. Okay. That that gives me a good idea of what they are. Cause I was just, yeah, imagining them as like static images, but it's probably frustrating to always have like Pinterest being compared to social media since it's not. <laughs> but also <laughs> what I'm thinking of is like in stories, Instagram stories where someone might share, you know, tips on stories. It could yeah. be kind of like that would be video form of the same kind of idea. Yes. And I think that there was some confusion with idea pins in the beginning because they actually called them story pins. Mm. And when they first announced them, it was in the summer of 2020. And I think that even people who had them in beta, it was still like fall of 2020. For a long time, there's only very few accounts that had them and also very limited by countries. And so that was also a reason why I had kind of waited to integrate them into my packages is because I actually have clients that are in other countries that They just didn't even have access on their account. Mm -hmm. And so with that title though, story pins, I think that people were like, well, do I share what I'm doing or what I had for breakfast? (laughs) Yeah. The goofy thing my kid did, which I will say, I saw a mixture of some, some that were hitting the mark, (laughs) some that were not, but I think (laughs) Pinterest just wanted to go ahead and clear that up and make sure that was not ambiguous as to what the purpose of them, you know, was for. And so they changed that name. I believe it was in April of 2021 to idea pins. And I think that really helped people get a better understanding of their purpose. But yeah, if you have, I know, cause you can download stories and stuff. If you have mm-hmm. a story where you are teaching something, it's very specific and educational and you are breaking down something step-by-step that could totally be repurposed. I think the only mistake I see between crossing that content over from social media to Pinterest is just when it's not done strategically and you just like hit the direct share. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally not optimized, but right. I agree with repurposing in general. It's like you don't, yeah, you don't want to just push the same thing to every platform, even if the platform makes it easy. People are like, it's so easy that I'll send my my podcast here and there. And I'm like, but it's not optimized. And people notice that. Like if they're on Pinterest, they've got an eye for what Pinterest looks like. If they're on Instagram, they've got an eye for what the content on Instagram looks like. So I, I agree. I say share less places and make it actually strategic for that platform. Yeah, I actually, I think it's worse to almost, you know, just do it and not do it strategically than Mm -hmm. to do it at all, because it's not going to do anything for you if it's not optimized for whatever platform you're sharing it to. Mm -hmm. And so then it just looks like, sometimes when I see a picture that really sticks out, sometimes it catches my attention, but I'm not drawn to it. I'm like, well, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like spammy. Yeah. It comes off feeling spammy. If like you're on, I don't know, some platform, like I don't use Twitter, but like if you're on Twitter and you can, you can see like, this isn't like a tweet. This is something that's (laughs) clearly like pushed over from Facebook or, or whatever. It like, it feels like it, it gives you more of a negative feeling than like a neutral feeling. Yeah, I would totally agree. That was what I think I was trying to get at. Yeah, it does. It does feel kind of spammy. So yeah. not a good feeling. 
So I really can see how, you know, if you had a podcast episode that was, you know, the the five tips of, you know, how to have great mental health over the holidays, let's say, you could use those same tips, create, you know, your client could create videos on those five tips and turn it into a video pen. Yeah, absolutely. Or sorry, uh, an idea pen. Yeah. And so then you could just break down those five tips slide by slide. And yeah, I think that that's totally doable and it is a great thing to do. And that then you're really going to, you know, build that Pinterest engagement and ultimately get people to take the action you want them to, even if it's not maybe directly from that idea pin. But yeah, mm-hmm. I I can think of lots of different clients who have podcasts where I'm like, oh my gosh, it'd be so easy to share that. Basically, you know, whether it be those tips, steps into that conceptualized idea pin for sure. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think you could probably take, let's say you do a podcast a week. I think that you could create one to two idea pins per week for that podcast episode, because a lot of ones that I'm listening to, you know, and it can vary. Um, there's sometimes people will do kind of like a wild card where it'll be more inspirational, motivational, but honestly, even that you could probably find a way to repurpose that into an idea pin. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a great strategy though, taking that, you know, whether that be weekly or bi-weekly, whatever podcast episode and seeing how you can repurpose that into one to two idea pins for sure would be a great starting place. Yeah. Now that just made me think that, you know, let's say that as a podcaster, you're going to tell a quick story and it's going to have a lesson at the end. Do you see that working for idea pins that they could maybe break up the story into those slides and then have the lesson at the end? Or is it really more like tips on each slide? That's a really great question. So there's so many different as from like DIYs to guides to must haves. I think it could be, I don't know if I would tell a lot of the backstory because you want to hook people and keep them getting what they want out of it. Because honestly, pinners are interested in what they want. They don't really care about you. Right. (laughs) Which is definitely a big difference, you know, from social media, which obviously on social media too, you're expected to serve people there as well. There's definitely Mm -hmm. obviously more social where people like to learn about you and your life, but that's definitely not the case on Pinterest. So I think that if you Mm -hmm. had that lesson at the end, I think that I'm trying to think of like a really good hook, like maybe three lessons I learned from starting my online business. So you could still take that. And even if you're maybe cutting out a portion of it that might not serve that person, but maybe using that lesson at the end and breaking it up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally be doable. That's why when I was saying that about, you know, sometimes people have, if that was your goal to create idea pins for your weekly podcasts and repurpose that content onto Pinterest, then sometimes you have different episodes. And when I was thinking about it, I'm like, actually, though, people will literally search quotes and different things. Now, obviously, you want to be careful with the keywords you're using and who you're reaching, and that you're not just reaching people to reach people, but the right audience. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you want to be careful once you get into that. Emily, this has been so great. I've learned so much myself on Pinterest. And I think this will be so helpful for our podcasting clients that are already using Pinterest or maybe they're thinking about it. And this gives us some more information on how we could do it. So thank you so much. How can the listeners connect with you after the show? Yeah. And I want to say thank you so, so much for having me today. It was so fun chatting with you. I could talk to you all day. (laughs) Same, same. Um, (laughs) 
You can find me on my website, emilyvales.com. And then I'm active on Instagram. So shooting me a direct message over there is a great way to contact me as well. And that handle is just emily.vales. And so, and obviously I'm on Pinterest too, but if you're wanting to connect with me, probably Instagram or my website's the best. So. Okay. Awesome. We will tag those in our show notes so people can find you easily. And thanks so much again. Yes. We could have chatted for, for hours, (laughs) especially about these topics. So thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing Podcast Manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.